when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now skip down to verse 7 because it goes through all the names of the 12 that he's sending out. And then it says in verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is, all, is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so even in the beginning of this, it says that he gave them power. Some versions say authority. And the reason it gets translated as both is because when you look at the original word, it's delegated power. So it's, it's like a combination of those two words together. It's, it's power and authority, delegated power. So together with the authority, because you can have power but not have authority. You understand what I'm saying? You can, have, you can have a gun and have lots of power but not have authority to, b to use it. You could use it criminally but not have authority by the state or by the, the nation or, or whoever the head would be to actually use it against someone. Or you can have authority for something but not have power. You can have the badge but not necessarily have any power to back it. So this delegated power, it's both the authority and the power. He gave that to his disciples to do what? To heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Not some, but all. All manner of sickness and disease. And the reason I want to really uh, hit this hard tonight is because it's one thing to have something, and, and many people will, will come with the mindset that, well, if I get sick, I'll just run to pastor, or I'll just run to so-and-so and have them pray for me. But how many of you know that when you have the power that lives within you and you know that you can exercise that, then you don't have to wait until you go find somebody to lay hands on you and you can take care of things yourself. And when you have a church that's operating that way and they're all going out and they're all praying for the sick and they're all released to do that, then your church is going to have more of an impact in the community, right? So we want to have a church that has the revelation and the understanding that I have, you have the authority and the power. It, it does not just rest with leaders. It does not just rest with pastors, evangelists, ministers, a five-fold ministry. So it rests with every Christian. Every, If you are called of God to be a Christian, which God wants everyone to be saved, but if you get saved and you have Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, then you have his power in you. And so it, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then that is the power flowing out of you you to touch someone else praise God so we see there that Matthew uh, 10 is given authority or given power to his disciples if you guys are chilly you can bump that like one degrees I'm seeing people put jackets on and stuff um let's go ahead and go to Matthew 11 Shortly after this, he sends his disciples out. Matthew 11, it's interesting, he makes this statement. In verse 12, referring to John the Baptist, because the disciples of John the Baptist had just come to Jesus and asked him, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one? And he tells them, you know, the, the eyes of the blind, are, they can see the lame walk. Uh, these diseases are being healed. The dead are raised. Go tell John this. And to uh, blessed is he who is not offended. But in verse 12, as they're walking away, he makes this comment. And he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, this is New King James Version, and many times we look at this and we go, what does that mean? It suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. It, it sounds like heaven is, is being uh, raided by the enemy. 
in, in some way, but that's not what's, what it's saying here. It's saying that the kingdom of heaven, many times you heard Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, right? He, in fact, he just told his disciples, go around and tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning it's if somebody says, hey, can you hand me that, Stephen? Can you hand me that? That means Stephen's close to it, can grab it and hand it to me. And so if something is at hand, it is close enough to reach out and grab it. And that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying it is at hand. It is able to be grabbed now because Jesus is now the the Messiah, the Christ, is now walking the earth, bringing heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as it er on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, I'm here to bring the kingdom of heaven. And he spent three years here to impart into his disciples so that they would know and understand and see the Father and see the heart of the Father, the love of the Father, the power of the Father at work in men. And then he rose again and he released that and he said, I confer on you a kingdom just as the Father had conferred on me so he says i'm releasing that kingdom to you it is now in your hands it is now for you to go out and touch a world because now he goes and ascends to the right hand of the father and he is seated in heavenly places where we're seated with christ jesus in the spirit did you follow all of that Amen? Okay. If you have that revelation, that's awesome because that means you know your position and your place in Christ. And you know and understand that our responsibility on earth is the same thing as what Jesus Christ was sent to do during that time. He came and he saved us. He shed his blood, became the ultimate sacrifice, but he also showed us how to live. He showed us a picture of the heavenly father. He could have come and he could have laid down his life and said, okay, here's the sacrifice, you know, and, and I'm the perfect lamb, the, the, the lamb of God. I lay my life down. Your sins are, are forgiven. And he could have rose from the dead and never delegated anything to us. He could have done that and, and never showed us the love of the father he could have he could have walked this earth for two months as an adult and then went to heaven and never showed us what the father's heart was like towards us but because we can read the gospels we get to see the father's heart towards humanity it's a precious thing because when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get to see the father's love you get to see his compassion and how he loved humanity and so that's what we're called to do now. So he says the kingdom of God is violently advancing and the violent take it by force. That means that word violent actually means this is interesting to get fired up to act on God's revelation to get fired up to act on God's revelation. So once you have the revelation, the understanding that what he's done for you and what he's given you and the power he's given you, that should fire you up to go do something about it. That's what it's saying, that the violent take it by force, meaning there is an aggressiveness about it. It's not just a, well, Lord, if you want to heal me, you know, and if, if, if it's your will, then I know you'll do something about it. So I'm just going to I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait on you to heal me. And if you heal me, then you heal me. And if you don't, then I know it was not your will to do so. There's no aggression in that at all. There's no passion in that at all. The aggressive, the violent take it by force. That word violent means to be fired up enough to do something about it, to act aggressively, to act forcefully, empowered by God's persuasion of faith. Isn't that powerful? To act by God's persuasion of faith, meaning that once you get the revelation and he has persuaded you and you have that faith, then you're going to do something about it. You're going to go after it. So that's why many times if the enemy can keep someone oppressed and in their mind they don't have this revelation, they'll never do anything about it. 
They'll sit complacent, complacently believing the lies of the enemy. That, well, God, it must not be God's will. Or God heals some and doesn't heal all. Do you realize that it's never about God? It's never about God. God's will is to always heal just as it's his will to always save. But it doesn't mean that everybody gets saved. And it doesn't mean that everybody accepts the word of God for their, their life and their situation. So that also means for us, if it's his will to save, Jesus never turned one person away. There was never a, what's it called? A, there was never a, a system of, of screening. He didn't say, well, hand in your applications to the disciples, and then we'll look them over. We'll get back with you in a, in a week or two to determine who gets healed and who doesn't, who qualifies and who doesn't, who's really sick and who's just a little bit sick. You guys can handle the little bit, right? So we're just going to mainly focus on the, on the difficult cases or vice versa. Because we can get a lot of these ideas in our head where, where we think, well, this is just minor. God's not worried about this. He's got much bigger things to handle. Do you know that, that God isn't in heaven wringing his hands trying to figure out how he's going to meet everybody's needs? He has more than enough. He is the God of abundance, the God of more than enough. El Shaddai, Almighty One, the many-breasted one. There's no lack in him. And so he has enough. These things come from the enemy's lies. Well, you know, maybe he put this on me so that I can learn and minister to the others so that, that I have an understanding of what they're going through. No. There's never every person that came to Jesus, he healed them. He healed them. They came, and he healed all. The only ones he did not heal were the ones that were familiar with who he was growing up, and it says that they did not have the faith. They doubted. They were offended by him. And so there were those that he could not heal because of that reason. That was their heart issue, not because he didn't want to. He wants to heal everyone. So it's us that actually keeps ourselves from receiving, just like people can actually keep themselves from receiving salvation. I don't know if you've ever ministered to someone where, where you really, you're trying, to <laughs> you're, you're trying to tell them how much God loves them because you feel the love of God inside of you for them. And you're trying to convince them, no, God loves you. He wants you to be saved. He wants the, the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. He wants to purify you. He wants you to understand that he is your heavenly father. He sent Jesus for you. And they say things like, I've done too much. There's no way that God could forgive me. And they keep themselves from receiving the gift of salvation. Healing is no different. There's things that get in people's minds that think, well, God can't heal me because X, Y, Z. Because this is too big, too small. Because maybe he's doing it for a purpose. Well, he only heals me if he wants to. If he doesn't heal me, then it wasn't his will. And we get all of these things in our mind. And it keeps us from receiving. So God is not holding back healing. Healing lives within us, but it has to manifest out of us through our faith. Through our faith. Through us being persuaded enough by the word of God that he means what he says. That his word is truth. It's not a lie. And that he means what he says concerning us. Well, what if you're ministering healing to someone? Well, um, can somebody get me a second mic for a second? We're gonna, I'm going to have a few people read. We're going to go through some scriptures in the book of Acts. So if I call you up, I'm just going to have you come up with your, with your Bible and I'm going to give you a scripture. Brother Don, can you come up and do Acts 6, 8? Minister Mara, can you come up and do Acts 8, 6 through 8? 
John, can you come up and do Acts 14, 3? Greg, can you do Acts 19, 11, and 12? Stephen, you want to come up and do Acts 28, 7 through 10? You guys, come on up. Because we're just going to hand the, the mic down the, down the line. You guys all have have yours. Okay. Um, yours is actually first, Don. Yep, I'm ready. Acts six eight. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Okay, now let's let's think about that for a second. Stephen, full of faith, did did power and great wonders and signs among the people. Who did? Stephen. Stephen did. Okay, go ahead, Minister Mara. You have Acts 8, 6 through 8. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So they were there was great joy in that city. Okay, read that first part again. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. He did. That he did. Not that God came down and did, that he did. Okay, who has... Acts 14.3, is that you? Okay. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Iconium a long time and spoke bravely for the Lord. He showed that the message about his grace was true by giving them power to work miracles and signs. Praise God. So you see that again. God bared witness to his word by granting signs and wonders to be done by whose hands? Their hands, by their hands. So we're seeing a, a pattern here that it's done by people. It's the power of God flowing through them, but never is it saying that God came down and did signs and wonders among them. It's through the people of God that he did this through. Are you next, Greg? Okay, Acts 19, 11, and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul in so much that unto the sick were carried away from his body handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out. So we see unusual miracles. We see signs, handkerchiefs, and aprons that were brought to him that when they were laid upon people, sicknesses and diseases left their body. But again, these things were done through Paul. It says it was done through Paul, unusual miracles done through Paul. Uh, Stephen, you have Acts 28, 7 through 10. Amen. It says, in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So they were healed by Paul laying hands on them. Paul laid hands on them and they were healed. And then many others came and were healed. Through what? Through Paul's laying on of hands. And so we see in each one of these cases, and there's more, but those are some of the cases that we see in the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is when, when uh, 
Christ was already risen. He came and gave them power. He gave them authority. And so he's risen. He pours out the Holy Spirit. And there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of the Spirit out of people's lives. And so now we see that men, normal men, are going out, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. And so we see these things happening through men. Yes, it's by the power of God that's living on the inside of men, but it's through men. And many times we have the understanding or the thought process that if if God wants it done, he'll just do it. And we don't understand that it takes our cooperation, it takes you as a vessel, me as a vessel, to go out and operate these things, to go out and heal the sick, to cast out devils, to pray for people. So it, it means that you have to be a co-laborer with God. And of course, in 1 Corinthians 3, you see that. It talks about how we are co-laborers with God. 2 Corinthians also, co-laborers with God. That means he's working with us to see these things come to pass. It's, I was listening to um, Andrew Womack the other day, and he was, he was kind of stating a, a comment. He said, if the power company, if I called the power company and said to them, listen, I've got a bunch of people that's coming for this conference this weekend. I've got to have electric at the, at the building. Because if I don't have electric, then I'm not going to have heat. I'm not going to have lights. And there's, there's thousands of people coming. So I need these things at the building. The electric company, because he's like, I already have a covenant contract with the electric company. They are already supplying me electric. So it's not going to matter how much I call them up. It's not going to matter how many other people I can get on the, on the prayer line to call them up to, to ask them to give me electric that day. Because it's already supplied. I already have a contract with them. I'm already giving them in exchange money for services. So they already are supplying electric for me. It's up to me to go turn on the switch. It's no different with us. We have a covenant with God. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it's up to us to turn on the switch. It's up to us to go do the works. It's up to us. Let's go to to, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 11. Let's, let's start at verse 12, and then we'll jump ahead to the second part of the story after that. Verse 12, 11, 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now understand, did Jesus say, Lord, Heavenly Father, I want you to curse this tree because there's no figs on it. It should be producing figs. There's nothing on the tree. So therefore, will you curse this tree? No. He cursed it himself. Don't, there's not going to be anyone that eats fr- fruit from you ever again. Jump down to verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering him, sorry, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, to them, have faith, this should actually be from or of God. Have the faith of God. It says have faith in God, but the, the original text, should it's, it's translated better, have the faith of God. That means not have faith in God waiting for him to do it, but have the faith of God living on the inside of you to see these things done. 
For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You will have them. So he's saying here, he says, first of all, he cursed the fig tree himself because it wasn't producing. And I don't know if you've ever noticed before in scripture, but when God talks a lot about when we don't produce, <laughs> he's got some pretty heavy opinions about things that don't produce what they're supposed to produce. But we're not going to talk about that tonight. But he noticed this tree is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not producing what it's supposed to be producing. So he curses the tree. And then they come back the next day. But you notice the tree was not, did not immediately wither and, and, and die right there at that moment. Like physically, you didn't see it like right now wither. But when he spoke it, what happened? It started the process. So the next day, when they come by and they walk by the tree, they notice the impact and the effect of what happened. Just because you don't see a manifestation immediately in healing doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. If you're speaking to your body, if you're speaking to, if you're, if you're speaking to someone else's, and I'm careful by saying praying, because a lot of times when, we, when we're talking about healing, if we say pray, we think that we're asking God to do it instead of commanding healing or commanding a, a spirit to come out. Because you don't pray for God to take the spirit out. You command the spirit to leave. Because you have the authority. It lives in you. So there are things that sometimes if we don't have the right understanding doctrinally or theologically, we'll go about it the wrong way. And so these things that are supposed to be under our feet are to be commanded. And so he commanded this thing, even with us, we can command our body to line up according to the word of God. We can command things that are not supposed to be in our body not to be there. We can curse things that are not to be in our body. That's why it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Most of the time we lean towards the side of life, right? But you know that we can also speak death to things that are not supposed to be there. Anything that the enemy has planted, we can curse that thing. So it goes both ways. God wants you to understand that you have the authority living on the inside of you. He has given you the power and the authority to speak these things. It's not about waiting for, for God to do it. And when you understand that he has given you these things, then, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you feel a victory in that, but I sure do because now it's no longer feeling like there, it's, it's based on a roll of the dice, it's now like I know God's will for my life, and he expects me to do something about it. When I begin to walk in this, go ahead and, and turn over to Romans. When I begin to, to walk in, in the revelation of healing, it wasn't like an overnight thing. It comes piece by piece as you practice. And as you walk these things out. But I do recommend that you don't wait until life is, is completely devastating before you try to get it all together and gather your scriptures. Because it's a lot harder when you're dealing with symptoms of things to do that. It can be done, but it's much easier if you practice those things now. You get those things in your life when they, you know like what the will of God is for your life, first of all, that healing is yours. What is your salvation package? What does the word say about you? If you have these things already settled in your heart and you're speaking these things out, then they don't become an issue. It's, it's like you're, you're playing from a place of offense instead of defense. Rather than waiting to defend, you're speaking offensively because you're planting those seeds now. You're planting seeds of life ahead of time instead of waiting for something to come along. And then you're trying to defend when you're dealing with a, a, an issue. But in Romans 12, it says in verse 1 and 2, of course, many of you probably know this. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're doing. We're renewing our mind according to the word of God, to think like God thinks, to understand his ways and his principles. We're washing our mind and renewing our mind by the word of God. And then it says that you may prove, that you may prove. When you actually look at that word, it has very much to do with to test and to practice. And years ago when I saw that, there was a light bulb that came on for me because I realized that it wasn't about getting everything perfect, but God was wanting me to practice his word, that it was taking the word of God and beginning to practice it, beginning to put it into operation in my life. Because here's the thing, sometimes people try something, well, it didn't work. Well, the word of God never comes back void. And it always goes out to produce what it was sent to produce, what it was sent to do. So we can have the faith that his word will never return void. So if we send it out, then don't cancel your word out by speaking the opposite. Well, it didn't work. Well, I guess, you know, God didn't want to do that. And you just completely cancel the word that you put into effect. Because the word of God is living and it's active. It is a seed. In fact, that's what time and time again, God refers to his word as a seed. That he goes out and, and the sower sows the seed. And depending upon our heart and the condition of our heart is determined upon the fruit we will receive. So all those four conditions of the heart, which we don't have time to go through tonight, but if depending on those conditions will determine the fruit of what we get in our life. And, of course, we understand that the good soil is what we must have in order to receive fruit because all of the other instances produce no fruit. They might produce a plant. A couple of them produce a plant that looks like there's something going on there, but there's no fruit. And so we have to have the right soil, the heart to receive the word of God. And that's why even in, in the scripture where he was saying that it just takes faith like a mustard seed, he's saying just even the smallest seed, the smallest bit of faith, it's not about having a huge boulder of faith. It's about the smallest seed of faith. Well, how does that work? What he's meaning is it just takes a little bit of faith, but it can't be tainted. There can't be like a little bit of faith and some unbelief mixed in too. So we have to make sure that we're getting the unbelief out. Well, how do we do that? How do you get the unbelief out of your life? I think it was, Jamie, we were talking last evening, and I, I said that unbelief is, is one of those things, or even in fasting and praying, it refocuses you. And the reason unbelief exists in our life many times is because we're so surrounded every day by things that contradict the word of God. And so we, we tend to, as humans, walk by sight instead of by faith. But God tells us to walk by faith instead of by sight. So we know that we have to set ourselves up differently in order to do that because most people in the, on the earth will walk by the five senses. That's what carnality is. Carnal doesn't necessarily mean that you're going out sinning all the time. It just means that you're walking by the five senses. What you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what is before you, instead of what is in your spirit to that you know is the truth. So if we walk by faith, then we're walking by the word of God, even if we don't see it at the moment. And of course, that's how the enemy sometimes will get people tripped up in their faith. You didn't get healed because you're not seeing it. It doesn't matter. The word of God is pure. The word of God always produces. So if we will stand upon the word of God, 
I was listening to a testimony of a girl. She, she was diagnosed at, I think, in second grade with a certain disease where her hair began to fall out, uh, and she, had, she was completely bald her whole life into her adult years, and she would never, according to the disease, never grow hair again. So she was completely bald. And she had been diagnosed with this. She lived with this all throughout school. Uh, you know, she said it was difficult and it was embarrassing uh, to, to not have any hair. But she started, and it was like the enemy had attacked her whole family. Her father was diagnosed with something. Her mother was diagnosed with something. And everybody was dealing with some sort of uh, major issue in their family. Well, her dad had gotten a hold of some teachings on faith and so they started listening and just he poured himself into these teachings faith 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 and he was just like eating it digesting it and then he was like I need to have my wife listen to this so he began to to have her listen to it then he began to have the daughter listen to it and the wife ended up getting healed the daughter her story she got healed too but it was a little bit differently it was over a time a time period. She had to stand for quite a while because over time she's like, I had to get the word in me. I had to believe the word more than my situation that I'd been living with for so long. So she began, after she began uh, receiving it and it started, it was like the light came on for her. And then she's like, and then it was like, I knew. I knew that my hair was going to grow back. I knew it. Even though I didn't see it and it wasn't there yet, but I knew it. I knew it was coming, and she said, so from that point on, it was like I didn't even get up and check anymore. She's like, I don't even remember how long it was until it started growing back because it, it was like it was already settled in my heart. It was coming. And so she's like, I would just, I, every day I would get up and, and say, I have beautiful long locks of hair. Like, I have a head full of hair, and my hair is beautiful. And, and she would just declare that over her body. And so it, over time, her hair began to grow. And, and today, she, doesn't, she has a, a long hair, head of hair, and she doesn't deal with it. She doesn't have that, that. She's not diagnosed with that anymore. But it was like she had to stand on the word. And, and she said it got so in me that it wasn't like I had to go around and find someone to pray for me. She said, it didn't matter if anybody prayed for me or not. I knew I was healed. And so the persuasion of faith on the inside of her is what made it come out of her. And so that's the place that we have to get to. It doesn't matter what you see on the outside because healing is sometimes a process. And it's us standing on the word of God and seeing it come to pass. It's not always an immediate thing. And the enemy can steal your healing if, if you come up and you say, okay, I'm going to have pastor pray for this for me. Okay. I'm, I'm not feeling any better. I guess I didn't get it. And just wi within moments, and you're like, well, I feel, I feel the symptoms. I still feel fevered. I still feel this. I still feel that. I must not have gotten healed. And then you just settle in your heart, oh, I didn't get it. And the enemy can steal a person's healing because of that right there instead of saying, you know what? I received healing. I believe the word of God over my life. I am healed because the blood of Jesus covers me. And by his stripes, I was healed. And then you just declare it day after day. There have been, I don't know, there have been a few times where I've, I've very few that I've received instantaneous healings. Very, very few. Most of the healings that I've experienced in my life had been because I, I stood on the word of God and I declared it and I declared it and I declared it. And it was just like, I'm healed. I know I'm healed. It hasn't manifested yet, but I'm healed. And then you, you just walk it out and you're not, you're not anxious about it, but it comes to pass because you're not allowing the fear to come in. You're standing on the word of God. Is this making sense? Let me give you two more scriptures, and we'll, we'll finish up with these last two. Turn to Ephesians 3. 
let me just read down through um, verse 14 through 20. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You're being strengthened in the inner man. It's not coming... It's not coming down on you. You're being strengthened in the inner man. And as you're strengthened in the inner man, it works its way out. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. That he dwells in your hearts through faith. That persuasion that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's to know his love. His, when you know his love, just like I've said before, that perfect love casts out what? Fear. When you know that he loves you and you love him, there's no room for fear because you know that he loves you. You know that all of his goodness is flowing towards you. You know that he's not standing there withholding things from you. He, you know that, that you're a recipient of his love. When you don't have any doubt of his love and you love him in return and you're following after him, then there's this cycle of love and it casts out all fear. So you must must know him you must come to know him I'm, I'm showing I'm not saying you have to you I'm not saying you have to know this in order to receive healing I'm saying you have to know this in order to build up faith because an unsaved person can receive healing so to, in order to build up faith in your life to drive out fear to drive out unbelief then you focus on the fact that he loves you and his word towards you is true. It's yes and amen. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that what? Works in us. According to the power that's working in us in us so there's a power that has to work in us it's not waiting on his power to come down on us there's a power that works in us when we come to know the love of God when we come to grow in his, in the knowledge of him last verse Psalms 8 minister you can go ahead and come to the keyboard please Psalms 8 Verse 6. I'll go ahead and read verse, verse 4. Because many of you are, are familiar with the, the verse, who is man that you were mindful of him? And you, you remember that song, I am a friend of God. Who is man that you are mindful of him, that you love him? But they don't go on to sing the rest of it. Sorry for the out of tune right there. Verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. Isn't that amazing? All the works of God has been given to us. Everything is put under our feet. And through Jesus Christ, he is the head. We are the body. Everything is under his feet, which is the very lowest part of his body. So it doesn't matter who you are. Even the, the big toe is over the works of the enemy. And he has given us dominion over all of his works the works of his hands the things that he has worked on this earth the things that he has created he's given us dominion over that well the enemy's a lot lower than than those things so would we not have dominion over the enemy 
Because that's what Jesus Christ came to do, was to destroy the works of the enemy. And they've been destroyed. So it's the power that is at work within us. We must speak, just as doctor talked about this this week, what we see, what we say, and what we do, what we act. Was that what the third one was? What we show. What we show. So what we're doing in faith. What we see. How do we see things? Do we see things like, well, I'm just defeated. Well, God must be putting this on me. Or do we see that God's my blesser? He's not going to put this on me. He, no sickness or disease comes from him. No oppression comes from him. He loves me. In fact, you have to see that every demonic thing, every, every sickness, every disease, every type of oppression, you have to see that from the enemy. And you have to have a, a, a distaste for it, that that thing is of the enemy, and I'm not tolerating it. I am not tolerating it. It has no business in my house, but as long as we tolerate and just kind of, you know, oh, well, we, yeah, everybody's just getting sick now, and, you know, COVID's going to come back around and hit everybody again. No. Not my house. Not me. Not my family. And that's that's the determination you have to have. You practice it. You speak it. You, you declare it for you and for your home. Because if you can do it for yourself, then you're able to go out and do that for others. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. your shoulder it's still good praise God Jamie came up for prayer Sunday and you had a pinched something going on with her her shoulder her um, whether it's nerves or muscles whatever it was and even then it was just it was it was declaring and commanding commanding pain to go, commanding whether it was muscles or nerves. I don't know what it was. I don't know what was going on. I didn't even, I didn't ask a hundred questions. I just commanded the pain to go. I commanded whatever was going on there to be completely healed. And then I just told her to begin to move it around. So it's the action. It's the action of faith. Sometimes we have to do something to activate the faith and not just, well, I'm just going to sit and and wait and hope something happens. I'm going to activate my faith. I'm going to believe. I'm not going to wait and feel the strength of God to come on me. I'm going to activate it and believe that I'm walking in the strength of God. Do you know how many people will allow circumstances to keep them back instead of walking out and saying, you know what, God's called me to do this, and I believe that along the way he's going to give me the grace and the strength to do it. But instead, they sit in their chair and they wait for the the power of God to come on them in their chair. They wait for the strength. They wait for the wisdom. They wait for the resource. And it'll never come that way because they're not walking it out. But as you walk it out and you say, okay, he's told me to go go there, do this, perform this, pray for that, walk this out, Then, then the grace and the power comes upon you as you're walking it out in faith in your belief in the Lord and what he has promised you. Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Does anybody in here need prayer tonight for anything? Physically? Any healing that needs... Any healing that needs prayer? Anything going on with bodies that need prayer? Not Amanda's just going to come in behind you and shove you out.
else need need prayer? Well, let's go ahead and just bow our heads then. Before we close out tonight, 